0: Welcome back to Legends of Surgery. This is another episode being hosted by David Sigmund instead of Dr. Rouse. Thank you for joining us. As always, we appreciate your support for tuning in. Um, And I hope you enjoy this podcast. Today, we'll be talking about James Miranda Stewart Berry, who's one of my personal great inspirational surgeons and was born in the same town that my maternal side of the family hails from Cork, Ireland. Dr. Berry was born sometime between 1789 and 1799 to Jeremiah and Mary Ann Bulkley, and given the name Margaret Ann Bulkley. That's right, Margaret Ann Bulkley. As the name might imply, Dr. Berry was actually born a woman, but had to hide her gender in order to become a surgeon in her day. I'd like to take a quick aside here and say for the remainder of the podcast, I'll be referring to Dr. Berry as she or her. While there is some controversy over whether Dr. Berry had any degree of transsexualism or hermaphroditism, the widely accepted viewpoint currently is that Dr. Berry was simply uh, a woman who pretended to be a man in order to pursue her chosen medical career, which is why we've chosen to use female pronouns when talking about her. While there is little information uh, available about Dr. Berry's early life, the excellent biographer Michael Dupreez compiled much of the available information in his book, Dr. James Berry, a woman ahead of her time which I highly recommend you check out if you want to hear more of Dr. Berry's amazing story. Her father ran a wayhouse, that is, a facility used to weigh and mark goods in Cork, but under English rule, anti-Catholic prejudice led to his firing and eventual imprisonment in a debtor's jail in Dublin, which left young Margaret and her mother without any support. Her older brother, who was also named James Barry, was a famous Irish painter who began traveling Europe in the 1760s before settling in London in the late 1700s. He had little to no contact with his family during his travels, uh, although upon his death he did bequeath some of his money to his mother and sister when he passed in 1806. There was also a third listed Buckley sibling named Juliana, who was raised by Mary Ann Buckley, Dr. Berry's mother, Uh, but some historians believe that this individual was actually Dr. Berry's daughter, um, because when Dr. Berry was laid out at her death uh, and she was getting prepared to be buried, her gender was revealed, the mortician noticed stretch marks of pregnancy on the body. Given the closeness and age uh, between Juliana and Dr. Berry, some historians do believe that Dr. Barry was impregnated after a sexual assault, uh, adding that kind of trial and tribulation that she had overcome just to survive her youth, let alone to go on and become a legend of surgery. While in her youth, Dr. Berry demonstrated excellent academic aptitude uh, and sought a tutoring position, but her gender combined with her lack of social contacts made finding a job difficult, if not impossible. It appears then at this time that a plan was hatched by Barry's mother and some of her brother's more progressive artistic friends who wanted to help take care of his family after he passed. Uh, these people had some connections in England, and they decided to change Margaret to James and pass her off as the nephew of her famous brother in order to get her into medical school at the University of Edinburgh. Her true identity and gender would not be discovered until her death 56 years later. Starting at the university in 1809 as a literary and medical student, Barry's feminine characteristics led professors there to think that Barry was a pre-adolescent boy, rather than a woman, and the university senate would not allow Barry to sit for final exams for this reason. Luckily, her brother's friends were able to use their contacts with the Earl of Buchan to intercede on Barry's behalf to sit the exams, and she earned her doctorate in medicine in 1812. She then moved to London to work at United Hospital of Guy's and St Thomas. Where one of the professors was none other than Sir Astley Cooper, subject of episode 69. In 1813, Barry passed her surgical examinations and became a member of the Royal College of Surgeons of England. It should be noted that despite being shorter and with a higher pitched voice than her colleagues, Barry was known for a hot temper and a great deal of brash confidence and an even greater amount of skill. This reputation would persist her entire career and by all accounts was highly accurate with even Florence Nightingale referring to Dr Barry as a brute more on that story later upon graduation Barry joined the army and underwent training as a surgeon under their auspices at the Royal Military Hospital in Plymouth earning promotion to assistant surgeon of the forces by the end of 1815 thus with her basic training completed Dr Barry was sent to Cape Town South Africa a British colony at the time South Africa was run by Lord Charles Somerset whose wife had died in 1815, shortly after arriving in South Africa. The doctors who had treated his wife had not impressed Lord Somerset, who thus held the whole profession in somewhat low regard. However, Dr. Berry's reputation as a quote-unquote child prodigy, given previous suppositions on her age while she was in surgical training, preceded her. And Lord Somerset's eldest daughter was considered dangerously ill and in desperate need of treatment at the time, although her actual symptoms are quite unclear. Nevertheless, Dr. Barry took the Somerset family by storm, charming the Lord and spectacularly treating his child, who made a prompt recovery. Lord Somerset would appoint Dr. Barry his personal physician, which led to another twist in Dr. Barry's wild story. For Lord Somerset was good friends with the Lord of Buchan, who had earlier interceded to let Barry set her exams uh, at the University of Edinburgh, and therefore he could have very well known that Dr. Barry was actually a woman. During the 10 years Dr. Berry served in South Africa, she moved into an apartment uh, on, Doctor, or sorry, on Lord Somerset's estate, and their closeness eventually led to rumors and accusations about their relationship, including one episode where an anonymous accuser circulated a poster claimed the two were buggering. It was a serious accusation at the time as homosexuality was punishable by death. Both were eventually exonerated of all charges, but it just goes to show that Dr. Berry's story didn't get even easier, even after she became famous for her medical acumen. We should take a break here from the impressive and Dickensian story of Dr. Berry's personal life and talk about her medical abilities. Dr. Berry was known first and foremost for her prodigious surgical skills, performing one of the first known cesarean sections everywhere both the mother and the child survived, and the first individual recorded to do one in the continent of Africa. Of note, given her provincial deployment, Dr. Berry had no surgical assistance for this procedure, using local midwives and servants to hold the arms and legs of her patient down so that she could complete her operation. Dr. Berry's true strength was demonstrated not in the surgical marvel, but in the patient's survival and recovery afterwards, despite a brief but frighteningly severe post operatively Dr. Berry was known for being absolute and severe in demanding cleanliness and hygiene, which prevented the severe fevers which killed so many obstetrical patients in that area. Uh, This patient the C-section was performed on was named Bohemia Munnick, and she and her husband Thomas offered Dr. Berry a huge fee uh, for her services, which she declined and then jokingly said if they wanted to pay her, they should instead name the child after her. The patient took the suggestion seriously, however, and named the child James Berry Munnick, with Dr. Barry even named as the godfather. Aww. This story goes on even more impressively, um, that Dr. Barry made such a great impression on the whole family that James Barry Munnock also named his child James Barry Munick, Uh, and the amazing story also inspired other more distant family members to name their children James Barry. Uh, in fact, a member of this family was the Prime Minister of South Africa from 1924 to 1939, named James Barry Munnick Herzog, Uh, as that name was passed from generation to generation of that family. So clearly Dr. Berry left quite the impression. As I mentioned before, Dr. Berry's commitment to cleanliness and hygiene were her true hallmarks. And with germ theory still in its most nascent phase, this meant she was well ahead of her time. She made improvements in the water system of Cape Town and the surrounding areas, as well as investigated possible treatments for venereal disease, a great issue for garrisons of deployed soldiers at the time. Additionally, despite being known as a rather hot-tempered physician, Dr. Berry was known to have a great bedside manner and was dedicated to treating underserved populations, including slaves, servants, and lepers. Her work in improving the health care of everyone under her auspices led to promotions, and she attained the rank of Surgeon to the Forces in 1827. The following year, she was transferred from South Africa to the Mauritius Islands in 1928, but returned to England in 1829 to attend Lord Somerset, who had fallen ill. She remained with him in England until his death in 1831. This gap in Dr. Berry's career is another area of speculation, uh, potentially as a time where she may have become pregnant with her close friend Lord, Dr. S- Lord Somerset's child. Again, this is all in reference to those stretch marks discovered upon her death by the mortician. Uh, but other than kind of rumors and gaps in her career, there's really no strong evidence that any of this stuff happened. Just mentioning it mainly for historical interest. Barry was then deployed to Jamaica before transferring to St. Helena in 1836, where she was court-martialed for conduct on becoming a gentleman, likely due to her habit of throwing bottles or instruments when she was dissatisfied, although these charges, like most against her, were eventually dismissed. Barry's impressive travels continued with her taking a position in the Leeward and Windward Islands of the West Indies, where she won promotion to principal medical officer for once again improving the health of the whole colony through a demand for effective hygiene and sanitation. She then took a brief detour back to England to recover from yellow fever before being deployed to Malta in 1846, where true to form, she ruffled all sorts of feathers by sitting in a seated church, which was supposed to be reserved only for members of the clergy, uh, before winning everyone over and becoming famous there for leading the treatment of a cholera epidemic successfully in 1850. She then traversed hemispheres again to the Greek island of Corfu, where she received another promotion to the rank of deputy inspector general of hospitals. It was at this time where she visited Crimea during the Crimean War while on leave for her military duties and ran into none other than the legendary Florence Nightingale. See episode 16. Who she proceeded to berate for what she considered unsanitary conditions, leading Florence Nightingale to say after Barry's death, where there was widespread speculation about whether or not she had been a man or a woman, uh, saying Florence Nightingale, I never had such a blackguard rating in all my life. I, who have had more than any woman, and from this Barry sitting on his horse while I was crossing the hospital square with only my cap on in the sun. He kept me standing in quite the midst of soldiers, commissariat servants, camp followers, so on and so forth, every one of whom behaved like a gentleman during the scolding I received while he behaved like a brute. After he was dead, I was told that Barry was a woman. I should say that Barry was the most hardened creature I had ever met. Tell us how you really feel, Florence. Dr. Berry's final deployment was to Canada in 1857, where she was granted the rank of Inspector General of Hospitals, which is the equivalent rank of being a Brigadier General. She was then forced to retire in 1859 due to old age and poor health, though in her normal cantankerous manner she of course only retired under protest. She led a quiet retirement until she passed away in 1865. She had placed orders that she should not be undressed and instead buried immediately in whatever she wore, but these orders were disregarded and her identity discovered by the mortician who was preparing her body. While the mortician didn't spread the secret far and wide, she did reveal it to a few people, um, so the matter would make it out into the public forum as hearsay and rumor, making the British army seal the records for more than a hundred years, possibly to spare themselves the embarrassment of being bamboozled from a young Irish woman for almost half a century. She was buried under the name James Berry with full meritary honors, and it wouldn't be until the 1950s that historian Isabel Ray gained access to the military records and Dr. Berry's legend began to be fully understood. With the last few minutes here, I'd like to share a few anecdotes about Dr. Berry that particularly stood out to me. Uh, As mentioned repeatedly, she was not known to suffer fools gladly and was arrested or court-martialed several times doing her to her combative and aggressive nature. While in Cape Town, she actually offended a captain of the 21st Light Dragoon so severely that he challenged her to a duel, which she of course accepted. The captain shot miss, and Dr. Berry's follow-up shot did not strike him, but rather hit his hat and knocked it off, after which both sides uh, decided to conclude the duel with no injuries taken. She was also rather eccentric. She refused to drink alcohol and drank mostly water, although she recommended people bathe in wine. She also demanded to have a goat on hand during all her deployments so that she could have fresh milk at a moment's notice. She was known for her love of her pets, including her favorite, a toy poodle named Psyche. She was also a vegetarian at a time where it was almost unheard of, especially when deployed to faraway areas. In summation, Dr. Barry was a surgeon surgeon who put the care of her patients above all things, even if it meant personal sacrifice. She may have ruffled feathers wherever she went, but the health of everyone, whether high or low in status, was improved by her presence. That wraps up this episode of Legends of Surgery. I certainly hope you've enjoyed the story of one of my favorite Legends of Surgery. Please rate the podcast on iTunes and leave a comment there or follow us on Twitter at SurgeryLegends. Like us on Facebook at Legends of Surgery or send an email to legendsofsurgery at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you about your thoughts on this podcast or ideas for future podcasts. Thanks for listening and we hope to see you again next time.